Hey y'all, welcome to a very dethawed with sharpened claws episode 14 of Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano. I am indeed your host, Ryan Cano. I am not only the host of this pod, but better known currently as the founder of the loyalty firm where I manage music artists and produce concerts. Former music director and talent buyer for the Pecan Street Festival in Austin, Texas. Former co-owner of live music venue Holy Mountain. Lifetime musician and lifetime music fan. I am partially washed, 40-year-old man living in Central Texas, Austin, Texas. And hell, on this episode, we're going to talk about the recent freeze here in Texas stupid ass lazy texan politicians we'll have the strain of the week we'll talk about the super bowl halftime performances from the weekend i'll get constantly interrupted from my cats and we'll talk about the washed reactions to the weekend we're going to listen to some of the best music to come out of central texas and that is pretty much episode 14 no ads just vibes now cue up the velcro wolf let's get poppin Wow, what the fuck was that? Uh, if you missed the news, Texas spent much of the last week under a major winter storm. And let me just go ahead and give you the rundown of the days that uh, basically was Sunday was ice, Monday was snow, Tuesday was dropping temperatures, Wednesday was dropping temperatures plus iced out rain or Ice rain, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Thursday was ice and snow, and that was the experience. And, you know, Tuesday night, or, you know, maybe it was Wednesday night, but it was was fucking 7 degrees outside with a windshield temperature of negative 15. Negative 15. What the fuck? Like, I have never, ever, ever seen temperatures like this in this part of texas ever and i've i've been in these parts 21 22 years now i mean uh you know the best you know the windchill uh that day was negative one that was as warm as you could feel outside in austin texas was negative one and listen you know dealing with the cold is all good uh we all can make fun of Texans and all that stuff and how we can handle it. I, I'm good there for the jokes, but it no longer became funny when the power shut off. And over 40%, I believe, of Texans did not have power. Uh, I lost power on what would be uh, Sunday night slash Monday morning around 2 a.m. I had my place set at 68 when it shut off and, uh, you know, it got cold inside very fast. I could see my breath inside my house for over four days straight. You know, I was one of the first turned off and the last turned back on. You know, when we got shut down, we were told that this would be rolling blackouts for the neighborhood, uh, but it was not. It was just a blackout. So what we were offered was that every 40 minutes to an hour, there's going to be a rolling blackout. It was going to come back on, you know, 
don't worry about it, essentially. Uh, my power was shut off for over 102 hours straight. So that's more than four full days. Through the coldest temperature ever recorded in over 120 plus years or so in the Austin area. And, you know, it's, it's just so fucking annoying that we all knew this was coming. I had bought supplies knowing that the roads wouldn't be drivable, so I had extra groceries. But when your power goes out, you're shoveling snow into an ice chest and keeping your food outside and hoping to save what you can of your groceries. You know, when clearing my patio's walk path, I had shoveled about nine inches of snow. Uh, you know, the next day after the after shoveling snow, I was cracking about about an inch of ice. So uh, the roads here in the neighborhood are untreated. So there's there's no treatment. There's no, you know, nothing to come plow up the, the snow or salt the roads, really. I think major overpasses on the interstate got, got that kind of sand or salt treatment, but definitely not like the not even the main roads in your neighborhood. So in the suburban uh, subdivision right uh, right northeast of Austin is Pflugerville and Nothing in that road was treated. Uh, I almost got stranded just driving down the street to a Walgreens to see if it was open. And, uh, you know, surprise, it was not. You know, basically, 4x4 trucks or SUVs were what treated the roads. They're what, there's what, you know, would break apart the ice for us all. But all the power was out. Uh, nothing had power. So no commercial businesses. Traffic lights were out. So, you know, if you were driving on these untreated roads, you would almost pretty much have to make a full stop at these pretty busy intersections, and then you would lose momentum, and then you would begin to spin out. So roads were pretty much undrivable. So commercial businesses had, had no power too. So like gas pumps were out of power, uh, gas stations were closed, they had no electricity, grocery stores nearby, HEB, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, closed. No power. Uh, the Mexican meat market down the street from me stayed open via running gas power generators. But even then, they only had limited access to power and they were using it to run their freezers. Uh, they had a gas powered stove, so the taco stand was open. Uh, but all the sales were done through cash and calculator. So there was no credit card sales, nothing that required internet or really even electricity. Uh, and, you know, one day I was able to pick up, it was like, two Mexican sodas, uh, three carnitas, uh, street tacos, uh, some tortillas, and like a king-size Reese's peanut butter cups. And uh, yeah, I think it was something like 16 bucks total. But I only had 15 bucks cash on me and they were like, don't, don't stress about it. You know, all good here. Uh, see you next time. Which was, you know, I have to say the time I had gone there, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday of this. So like I'd been pretty fucking cold for several days running and just really really pissed off uh you know definitely in a bad mood not sleeping well so it really meant something to have such like a feeling meal you know be able to be cooked for you it felt super comforting uh and and plus i was eating essentially weird meals because um it was about you know I was basically cooking something before it would go bad because you don't have a refrigerator. You're just keeping stuff, you know, in an ice chest outside uh, where it is, you know, luckily below freezing temperatures, luckily, I guess, but you know, you can only save so much food. Anyways, I was eating really weird meals, not exactly great for my Crohn's disease, uh, if not just digestion in general. So uh, luckily, during this freeze out, I have a gas range so I could light the stovetop manually. I have a gas water heater 
So um, I had hot water essentially, but extremely low water pressure. Like it would trickle out. It took forever to like fill up the bathtub halfway. It just, I don't know, maybe the width of a pencil or something like that is how it would trickle out. Uh, anyways, one night I slept in my truck with the heater on. It's just too fucking cold. Uh, I was also charging up my phone out there. So sometimes it was just, you were doing both and it was just convenient. I had a full tank of gas luckily, because again, you know, we expected it to be super bad as a state. We knew that snow was coming essentially for the second time this year. And the first time snow came, it's stuck on the ground for like three or four days. We were building snowmen. Uh, it was kind of cute. Honestly, like we couldn't believe it stuck around that long. It's, I, I've honestly hadn't seen that before. It usually is melting on the ground immediately or gone, you know, within a day if it did stick around at all. Uh, the last time it was big, fluffy snowflakes. Um, it was beautiful. It was crazy. Uh, and we all expected this the second time. They said it was going to get bad. They said it was going to get the single digit temperatures. So we all prepped. I mean, everyone except ERCOT. Everyone as a citizen but not any of the electric companies. So to save the grid from total collapse, ERCOT shut off power to like 40% of the people on the Texas grid. The supposed rolling blackouts was, you know, so we could all share in the sacrifice, essentially. You know what? You're gonna shut us off for a little bit for an hour or so, cool. Turn this back on, these other people get shut off and we can all just make it work. But nah, it was just a pure blackout in my neighborhood. Just no heat no power for four full fucking days straight and when you sustain coldness that long in your body i mean it just makes you very 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 pissed off and even though i am de-thawed now uh my my claws are as sharp as fucking ever i am very pissed off about this experience i am basically ready to rip the face off of every fucking lying bullshitter who got us here uh, just accepting ineptitude and the lack of governance from, you know, a GOP that has held on to the state for nearly 20 plus years through gerrymandering and changing rules and laws and consistently breaking voter laws that the United States Supreme Court will constantly overturn. Uh, we just have do nothing bullshitting grifters at every powerful branch. Governor Greg Abbott, a do nothing spin doctor of shit. Instead of directing FEMA and getting Biden to give us some quicker love, he goes on to Fox News to blame the Green New Deal, which is not a law and definitely something Texas is not leading on. I mean, the idea of Texas being a fucking green state is just insulting to every Texan, voter or not. I mean, yeah, good old Texan, the green state. I fondly remember growing up rooting for my favorite football team, the Houston Windmills. Get the fuck out of here, you fucking charlatan. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick? This motherfucker is a carbon copy of Rush Limbaugh, born out of Houston, Texas, conservative talk radio. He followed Rush, uh, Rush's show on the same, I think, radio station that played that in Houston. Uh, and quite frankly, he should copy Rush's last move, as far as I'm concerned. Ken Paxton? Dude is being investigated by the DOJ for abusing his role and some just good old-fashioned fraud. I mean, that's your top three people in Texas government being lazy, do-nothing frauds. Our senators? I mean, I'm not even sure what the fuck John Corn did. He probably just presented some, like, shitty-looking barbecue to everybody on Instagram or something. Ted Cruz? That fucker thought it was wise to go on vacation. I mean, the guy was in the airport in a polo shirt 
And with like New Balances on while it's 25 fucking degrees outside or lower in Houston, he was going to bail for warmer weather. And you know what? If he was just some regular rich dude and he wanted to pull this move, fine. No real issue with that really other than it's, you know, it's still a pandemic asshole. But, you know, no other reason to give a shit about it whatsoever. But nah, dude, you are not just some regular rich dude. You're a fucking Texas senator. Uh, you're a senator representing Texas, United States government. And you did a weird round trip after obviously being busted and roasted and now he's like engaging in this weird like bullshit excuses and these photo ops to uh, you know appear as if he is you know really helping the community and you know too late asshole and if you need you really need to be quarantining right now as according to cdc guidelines after your two international flights and no you didn't do that even so you're just disrespectful to everyone around you in terms of COVID-19 and in terms of representing us as people like you're supposed to represent us as citizens of the state and where the fuck were you while people were freezing to death in their homes let me repeat that people froze to death in their houses <sighs> you know this guy obviously thinks he owes you jack shit and for anyone who says, you know, oh, he's a senator, this is a state issue, you know, what do you expect? Well, I expect him to be a representative of Texans as a fucking senator. That's what I expect. Things he can do? Oh, I don't know. He's a senator. Their literal job is to raise money all the damn time. Ted could have directed resources to a food bank or some other mutual aid. He could have raised money. I mean, AOC, you know AOC. She, that super impressive woman that you dumbass right-wingers love to vilify raised over $5 million as of this recording for Texas mutual aid organizations to help. Uh, you know, Ted could have used a phone bank, you know, that he does to raise money for himself to check on uh, people just like Beto O'Rourke did. He could have spoke with President Biden about getting FEMA resources or other branches of federal help you know, out to declare disaster areas. But nah, this motherfucker went to Cancun for a night, but had plans to stay through the weekend until he got internet shamed. And why would he return? Remember this, guys. Uh, Ted Cruz and Greg Abbott both have presidential aspirations. They want to go to that White House. They want to run this country. And I don't care what both, you know, what side of the party aisle you are on. You know, you are freezing your house with your power off, you know, no matter how you voted. I'm always going to remember how fucking cold I got inside my house because these assholes were more interested in quote unquote culture wars, cancel culture, shit like that, instead of actual fucking governance that takes care of us, the individual. And we were all prepared for a storm, except for the people that run our electricity whether you paid your bills or not. And we were just decided willy-nilly, we were going to be the sacrificial lambs for the entire power grid. These government officials are not loyal. They're not royalty. And these people are our representatives. And it's time we start demanding more of them. You know, Texas is a beautiful state with, you know, some of the laziest, most dumbass, do-nothing, wannabe, wannabe famous politicians. It's, it's an incredible shame. 
it sucks to have to deal with it. And people died due to their ineptitude this past week when the winter storm uh, and the power went out. Moving on. You know what? Let's play some music. Let's get those those good vibes back into my bones. Uh, but uh, first, let's get into Strain of the Week. I hope you were able to be stoned this whole ice freeze because fuck uh when you're freezing your ass off it is hard to concentrate on shit uh but the pain of it all so of course a good heady nug can alleviate those issues the strain of the week this week y'all is cement shoes yeah get knocked dead on your ass cement shoes so you definitely want this strain for nighttime use uh it helps you get to sleep relaxes your fried nerves insomniacs those with chronic pain, you may find some relief with this strain. It's, uh, you know, Cement Shoes is a strong indica marijuana strain made by crossing animal cookies with OG Kush Breath and Wet Dream. As the old saying goes, indica equals indica couch, and that is definitely true of this strain. THC levels are 17% to 23% range, and the flavor profile is basically an earthy citrus. You can find this strain at your nearest dispensary, my friends. It's a great medical use strain. All right, let's play some music from San Antonio-based artist Brainwave. Brainwave is a musical project for artist Ben Crowley, who I met when he lived here in Austin, so this used to be an Austin-based project. Uh, He used to operate uh, also under the moniker Artificial Earth Machine, and then switched gears a few years ago to Brainwave. Uh, I believe I met him through my homies in Total Unicorn, and they got me turned on to his music. Uh, anyhow, I booked Ben's musical projects over the years, whether it was at regular club shows like Holy Mountain or Spider House or, you know, even at the Pecan Street Festival. Uh, Ben's just a solid-ass guy, and his wife, Kaylin, is as well. Uh, they're just cool-ass people. The most recent album from Brainwave is Future Soon, and we're about to listen to the title track, which features hip-hop artist Black Da Vinci. Light that bowl. We'll be right back. I got a lot of questions, kinda got lost in 
depressing You can get lost with your false friendship And all of your hints at most 9-11 post-truth Willie Lynch pin To keep the wheels of power in position New red insurgents She get fed with the fee full of likes and mentions With a focus on where you spend your attention But you ain't pay attention Mathematically predicting your intentions I had to pause after I wrote that sentence Skynet is on the way Word to Elon Word to Johnny Neiman I got a lot of my mind No way you think I'm the one No way I travel through time Just don't fuck with my dogs That's the point where I break Why you advocate for these devils I think that shit late The same reaction when I look at your chain That's a bad batch Can't fuck with your dreams It costs an arm and a leg to live in comfort But I'd rather see the status quo get punctured The day the earth stood still I hit the snooze button Fell back in the slumber I was eating shrooms and stomping turtles as a plumber Bay was at another castle I was getting flustered Found some fire flowers Spit combustion at these busters I just copped an extra life But never been the one for uppers I just copped an extra life But never been the one for uppers Are you scared of the future? Uppers Scared of computers? Students are scared of the shooter mm. Prepare the maneuvers Y'all see prepare for intruders For some intruders Already been through this Thought that you knew this Are you scared of the future? Scared of computers, students are scared of the shooter mm. Prepare the maneuvers, y'all so prepare for intruders For some intruders, already been through this Thought that you knew this, thought that you knew this From the future, peep the future sounds Future soon, soon the future's now Soon enough the room erupts too abrupt You were stuck in the crowd, right around to tell you how we crowded out the native off the sacred spaces And paved it, replaced it with walls Crowded to the shutdown We on that Amazon Prime now, don't pine for it don't cry for it Same day delivery, why even drive for it When I land on my doorstep before I'm snoring That's customer service, you can't match See, I can tell from the ash on your ankles You can't rap, it's not a fail From the scuffs on your knees, you ain't a boss So what the hell, you won't prevail Just take this hell Why you waiting for tomorrow? Welcome back. You just heard Future Soon from Brainwave featuring Black Da Vinci. You can find the album Future Soon via Insect Records. And if you go to Brainwave's Bandcamp, you can purchase this album not only digitally, but on cassette and compact disc. Here's a quick story for you guys. Story time. Uh, so Ben from uh, Ben, a.k.a. Brainwave, years ago was kind of running... Uh, this multimedia artist collective uh, feedback alliance they were curating and developing and cultivating kind of like electronic artists djs producers and other kind of video visual um, artists just really cool stuff a cool collective um, several other people um, involved in that that i thought were cool and liked their music and so at some point ben noticed that my company the loyalty firm was securing official showcases at south by southwest Ben wanted to know how to go about that. And see, what I love about uh, working with Ben is that he's pretty easygoing and flexible and, you know, which is very important in these somewhat, you know, low stakes club shows that we're putting on. And, you know, this was a chance, you know, obviously as, you know, 
someone in the business to be like, yeah, let's get a consulting fee out of this. But being a friend matters. Uh, so he kind of got, you know, instead of got it charged a consulting fee, I definitely gave him some sort of friend deal. But, you know, don't expect me to give that discount to you. That was years ago. Yeah, not happening today. But anyhow, uh, from, you know, from there, what I liked about what he was asking was not just how to get himself a showcase. You know, that's sort of an easy thing I think bands should be able to kind of figure out in some regards. Uh, he was really asking how to take this collective there. And I like that. There was a lot more people being helped, uh, you know, while he's asking for advice, not just for himself. So from there, I gave him advice basically, uh, you know, on approach, you know, how to pitch uh, himself uh, and his crew, uh, his how to pitch the showcase, how to present basically your thought process for the entire South by Showcase coordinators, basically for them to understand uh, where you're coming from. He tossed over a few drafts on, you know, on the pitch. And after I gave some notes about it, you know, Ben took off with securing his showcase uh, for the Feedback Alliance. And, you know, what made me very proud of him is that, you know, I gave advice that I thought would provide value and he followed up on that advice and you know i think he molded it in a way that made sense for him uh you know he used his own initiative he used his own ambition and he took it from there and that's key you know i didn't do this for him uh, i helped set him up with the intro and told him how i would go about pitching and presenting showcase options and he took it from there and you know made it become real i gave the strategy and the intro uh and it led to him securing an official south by southwest showcase for not only him as an artist but for the feedback alliance crew you know that's pretty awesome just uh thought i'd share that quick consulting success story for y'all um much love over you know to ben and uh his wife kaylin so after listening to some electronic music just now uh, it got me thinking about how daft punk called it quits nearly you know after nearly 28 20 29 uh years of activity together it kind of surprised me how much i felt sort of affected by it considering that I wouldn't consider myself some sort of mega fan. I, I definitely bought a CD of theirs in like 98 or 99. And that was my intro to the group. And I'm not really sure how much I thought about them much until that, you know, that real mid 2000s run where they just really were killing it. I mean, they released several albums that were great. Uh, they worked with Kanye uh, at what was likely the apex of his career as it looks now. And, you know, they worked with Farrell for Get Lucky. Uh, which was just a gigantic, uh, unescapable hit. You know, they did a few singles with The Weeknd, namely Starboy and I Feel It Coming. Uh, what I found really cool and interesting about them was their ability to take sort of different worlds of dance and combine them for something new. So it resembled disco, but also techno, but also, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, synth jams. What is super interesting to me, and also just sort of a weird factoid to notice about them, is that, you know, when Daft Punk would produce another track with an artist, it wasn't just like a producer-only credit. They were always credited as a featured artist or as an equal collaborator. Starboy by The Weeknd and Daft Punk. It's not just a song by Abel. That's, there's something really powerful about that, that their presence is always known that they were they were never just behind the boards and unseen and yet when you saw them you couldn't really see who they were uh, but you knew who they were on the track and that's fucking badass and it's you know crazy that when their collabs would happen it was never just like a track on the album it was always a single and like a mega monster smash hit single at that i also love just how they took their own pace at things like seven year breaks between albums I mean, they called it quits after not playing or making new music for seven years and then quit. That's fucking legendary.
One of the reasons that I had Daft Punk on my mind before the announcement of their retirement was uh, from their collab with The Weeknd. The Weeknd, of course, performed at the Super Bowl halftime a few weeks ago. And here's my simple verdict about that Super Bowl performance. I liked it. There you go. Uh, the Weeknd did, uh, you know, to expand, The Weeknd did like eight to nine songs in his allotted 15-minute show. And Super Bowl halftimes are, you know, shows are typically, they're weird. They are a concert performance largely for a TV audience that is happening live in a football stadium for people in person to enjoy as well. But the TV audience is actually what's most important, no doubt. And and part of that reason why the NFL shrewdly doesn't pay their halftime performers and even flirted with charging them is because of that TV audience, which, I mean... Come on, guys. Uh, anyhow, uh, The weekend did great, in my opinion. Uh, I definitely appeared. He was mostly singing live. Yes, there were backing tracks, and uh, but the lead vocals seemed live and to be his. He was also he also had like a choir and a marching band of sorts on stage, except without the marching. So you just kind of saw horns and woodwinds and kind of percussion dancing around uh, with everyone in that post-surgical face wrap sort of zombie look going on. There were tons of extra dancers synced up, uh, marching, looking, you know, kind of almost materialistic. It was just a ton of activity that you would see across the stage. Because of COVID-19, the Super Bowl had space in the stands, which is where the show starts. They set up a sort of cyberpunk city that the weekend arrives in a Mercedes SLK, and he hops out that ride. And, you know, the show happens in the stands of one of the end zones in the stadium. The very much memed moment comes from fairly soon in the show where the weekend leaves that city backdrop and kind of goes into this you know vegas mirrored sort of panic claustrophobic space that ends up feeling with a ton of lookalikes and their surgical wraps and eventually the weekend makes it to the football field for you know the finale where he finished the show with blinding lights you know for what has been a pretty prolific career the weekend was able to fit a good portion of that career in the show you got the hits you got you know maybe a sneak peek musically of a, a deep hit that mega fans would enjoy and you know he delivered a fairly family friendly show and if you know his songs making it accessible in that way is kind of hard i mean he opened with starboy and definitely said his line about Cut that ivory into skinny pieces, then she cleans it with her face. Man, I love my baby. You know, as as was joked about uh, online, on, I saw on Twitter somewhere, this is the Pepsi halftime show, but every song's about Coke. Uh, he performed uh, The Hills next uh, in the set list, but he didn't exactly perform the verse where he says, I just fucked two bitches before I saw you, and you're going to need to do it at my tempo. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it was kind of hilarious that if you knew his songs, you you saw how he was having to sort of curate it to sort of avoid some of the more risque sections of those songs. Uh, it was hilarious that he had to back up off of Fucked in the chorus for The Hills, which, you know, goes, when I'm fucked up, that's the real me. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of an adventurous choice to be doing this halftime honestly uh, anyhow the set list he performed was basically a medley of starboy the hills can't feel my face i feel it coming save your tears earned it house of balloons slash glass table girls uh, blinding lights was the closer and the weekend covers a fuck ton of territory across that stage in that stadium even when i went to watch it again before recording this podcast i found it quite impressive uh now am i saying this is the best i've ever seen i mean no prince still holds the crown there uh for sure 
but it is great though. I mean, how hard this was, you know, just to put together from a logistics standpoint amongst COVID-19, you know, I imagine almost like quadruple the amount of rental cars it took, how many rides it took, how much extra time you had to do for setup just to get everybody together. I mean, there was a lot of dancers and a lot of pieces that had to come together. I'm going to imagine, you know, somewhere between 300 workers and 300 employees uh, and musicians, uh, maybe more. Of course, I knew people who were washed, uh, way more washed than I am, would get up in arms about the weekend performing. I always thought that those with open minds and those who know that this maybe isn't for them would see parallels to artists from the past, uh, you know, influences, if you will. You know, in The weekend, you can definitely hear Michael Jackson back in that Quincy Jones produced era. You know, granted, The weekend's character is a womanizing drug abusing character versus, you know, what MJ's character was. But, you know, you can also hear a lot of, you know, aha. You can also hear other modern R&B artists like Miguel, for instance. Just a soaring falsetto. Like a soaring falsetto. Like, goddamn, when you hear an artist with a falsetto like The Weeknd, uh, you just need to work with them in whatever capacity you can. Are you a music manager? You try to manage him. Are you a record label? You try to sign him. Uh, you know, are you a concert promoter? You try to have him at shows. He's just that kind of artist when you hear that falsetto hit. A great falsetto is a hit maker, to be honest. That's just what it is. Uh, anyhow, you would think with these sort of like kind of obvious influences that us older washed folks would would have been curious or interested. Well, you know, no, of course not. And I kind of expected some of the reactions. I just didn't expect so so much of it to come from my Facebook timeline. Good God. So many of y'all have grown up to be so fucking closed off. It's like so boring. You know, I saw, you know, on the far stretches of it, on the worst side of it, uh, you know, sort of near racist, ignorant shit like, I guess they give Super Bowl halftimes to anyone. Who even is this guy? And I just had a comment on that person's uh, thread like, hey, man, uh, The Weeknd just dropped a 21-song Greatest Hits album. You could maybe start there. I mean... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, the NFL isn't like discovering indie artists and developing them and then hoping you like them uh, at this Pepsi halftime show. No, like the halftime show is always going to be a top 40 artist. Now, if you are just hearing about the weekend and he is playing a halftime show at the fucking Super Bowl with the music catalog that he has culminated into a greatest hits package and what is likely just his mid-career point... Well, maybe it's just time to admit that you're washed. Discovering new music that has reached this pivotal point in a career is not a sign that you're on top of stuff. You are not the beacon of pop culture anymore. Hell, I am actively trying to keep up with new music, and I still feel like I'm behind. I am partially washed. It's fine. And boy, man, posting on Facebook that older washed people confused by the weekend... Y'all grew up to be so lame with a laughing emoji really set off folks. <laughs> I mean, I didn't call out anyone directly whatsoever in that post and goddamn did people volunteer themselves as washed. It was fucking hilarious. It made my 40 year old ass feel young. I know my ears are still young, but I mean, inside it made me feel young. Uh, I started to get some juice from it, you know, it was funny. Uh, and I don't, but I don't you know, think several people took it as fun. And, and that sucks because, you know, guess what, y'all? You're washed. Get over it. 
Even if you didn't like it, that's fine. You are dissecting the performance you just saw. You know, you're thinking about it. Uh, you're taking it in. But to be confused by this, I mean, what the fuck? I, I joked on my Facebook that, you know, they were likely raised by parents confused by MJ's music. And maybe that's just true. Some of y'all uh, also need to maybe just update your bedroom music. I mean, The weekend's music is good bedroom music, y'all. I mean, mix it up. Uh, I am also kind of surrounded by a lot of seemingly closed-minded rock and roll or indie rock folks. I remember uh, when I would be playing in like punk bands and shit and people would always be kind of surprised at my love for rap and hip-hop and then, I mean, I thought it was weird they didn't. Uh, I loved music that Interscope put out, and of course I loved H-Town rap growing up, which I was lucky to be able to hear uh, a lot of those great hip-hop artists from Houston growing up because of the great, still great, Houston rap radio station 97.9 The Box. Shout out to that station. I think it very much surprises people still how diverse and wide my taste in music is. You know, at some point, you just sort of actively start exploring you know, new genres and new sounds and new scenes of music. And even if like just on music, you just focus on a city and you focus on something like Austin, well, you're going to find a music scene that's as diverse as music itself. Most of you know I got my start in what I would call the indie rock, the punk, the experimental rock scenes, sort of on the outside of the mainstream uh, fringes, the fringes, if you will. Uh, that was the music I played and music I listened to the majority of the time, I would say. And that was my entry into the industry, really. I was doing PR and then artist management at the loyalty firm when I started, and that was the origins. It took a while for me to dive into concert production and booking and curation. You know, at some point, a lot of the smaller indie promoters I worked with in Austin either shuttered or just left the business, which happens to folks. This meant I needed to step up for my artists, and luckily the relationships I had built over the years between venue and artists allowed me to start building cool shows around the bands I managed. I would do that occasionally before, but then it became sort of a thing I led on and was doing a lot more consistently. Uh, Emos was one of the first clubs to allow me to start putting on shows. I was able to put on shows during free week, and I was given the outside stage back when uh, Emos was on Red River and 6th Street. Putting on a show outside on that really big stage was a huge part of my journey and putting on shows. It sort of let me know that, you know, I can do this. And, you know, I eventually put on more free week shows over the year. I even put on a free week show at that newer Emos location on Riverside, which is just a small arena concert room, to be honest. It's not really a club. Uh, but that went well, too, for the most part. So, you know, it was uh, cool as it was cool as hell. There's these little notches, these little moments that you can sort of look at and, you know, see your progress. But, you know, anyhow, most of my shows were sort of in that uh, sonic territory. But then I started doing shows that honestly got a lot of resistance at first. And it doesn't seem so weird now. And now that it's years and years later, but I was just adamant that I knew these shows would flow well and that they would work. And to the artist's credit, they would always take a chance with me too when I would ask them to. You know, that's what concerts are to me in a lot of ways. It's just about, you know, how thing, how things flow. It's, a, it's an energy flow. It's a flow of experience. And I know you can kind of mix genres of sound and mix so-called audience types, if you will. And you can keep, you know, a really similar and escalating energy for the show and everybody is going going to have a great time. You can just build this crescendo. That's my mindset when putting the shows uh, together. So I started mixing 
instrumental rock with you know a jazz inspired hip-hop with an edm electro artist i started building shows as eclectic as i anticipated austin was and you know in some ways this is what caught the attention of the pecan street festival where i was the music director and talent buyer for five years also shout out to jenna wedgwood who preceded me in that role and recommended me uh, for the spot when she uh, stepped down uh, i also uh had so much fun in that job as I was really allowed to book, you know, what I saw fit as long as it was family friendly, which was largely meant no cussing to the festival and fit within the budget. Anyhow, it was here that I was able to really work with more than I ever had before. Uh, I had, uh, you know, I had the ability to book music that reflected the actual community and with budgets that I had never been able to work with on my own for my own projects. So, uh, many people in the organization, I think, uh, just wanted that part of Austin that sounds, um, that is Stevie Ray Vaughan blues rock or country music. And listen, I was never opposed, you know, to booking that sort of stuff, but I wanted to update everything along with it. You know, let's book the top 30% of Austin artists that we can afford that are making great music, that are doing interesting things and touring and would be exceptional entertainment for our audience. You know, let's become a rites of passage of sorts. You know, the, the artists at Pecan Street Festival today will be gracing the stages of, you know, ACL the Festival or even Austin City Limits, the PBS program. You know, this led to great conversations with people uh, like Manny Morales, who I've mentioned previously on this program. He curated and organized a good section of the Latin and Mexican music scenes in Austin. And this festival really allowed me to work with every section of musical genres in town. It was a really great, just great experience from that in so this was really my first entry into being able to work and book uh, Latin artists that I always dug and I spent a considerable amount of time filling in the gaps in my musical knowledge in Austin you know between that first festival I booked and the second one and you know it's fun and kind of odd to explore music and judge it in terms of talent buying because you know I don't speak Spanish I mean I wish I did I am half Mexican my dad's from Monterrey Mexico of course uh, you know I've tried to teach myself afterwards and it's a use it or lose it thing I, it just hasn't stuck anyways uh, but here you are you know judging music you know whether someone is singing in your language or not you can kind of still understand what exceptional quality is you know whether it's spanish or hindi or french you can feel what works you know there's melodies there's musical vibe there's instrumentation how changes you know all those musical vibes just get inside of you and anyhow when you work a festival and you get to put a microscope on your city uh, in the way that i was able to and when you do you're just going to discover so many good artists there almost impossible not to i can't remember if i discovered these next artists i'm about to play uh, either through mandy morales or if i saw them live somewhere but what i can say is they are the real fucking deal this band is called como las movies this band is the brainchild of austinite via mcallen texas nelson valente aguilar I love this band because their music covers a lot of southwestern, like, spacey psychedelia. There's a cumbia or even retro Tejano dance vibe on some songs, but then the music will just go into, like, a synth-driven, spaced-out section. They are very hard to pigeonhole into, you know, into one sort of vibe and one sort of genre. They really kind of create their own version of what just really feels like a very Texan, border town sound. It's a precious blend of sonics that meld into a true soundtrack for Texas life. I almost played an instrumental track uh, for you guys, but what I'm going to play instead is the track El Beso from the EP Nuevo Wave. 
Check out their music on the platform you're streaming this podcast on, or better yet, go to Como Lost Movies' Bandcamp page and buy Nuevo Wave as a CD or cassette or even as a digital download. That's the show this week for y'all. I want you to have a great week, take it easy on yourself, and I will see you on the next episode of Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano. Peace. Chill, chill.